0: The following is a presentation of the Neuropod podcast and is not an event that emerges from the asset nominating or policies and procedures committees. Any candidate's failure to participate should not in any way influence your opinion or choice in this election. Welcome to the Neuropod, the podcast for neurodiagnostic professionals. Our mission is to provide you with information that can help you provide the best care for your patients. Knowledge is power, and more knowledge can lead to better patient outcomes. Joining me are the candidates for President-elect of ASSET, the Neurodiagnostic Society. The election is on now through May 31st, so if you are a member and you have not voted, please log in and go to www.asset.org forward slash Board of Trustees Candidates with a hyphen between each one of those words. There you can review each nominee's resume and cast your vote for the candidate whom you believe can best lead our society. All right. So today, I want to welcome Chris Moses. He's a president-elect uh, candidate for Asset, and um, he's our second one to interview. And Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. So um, I'm doing good. Yeah, I've had a chance to review everyone's resume, and you're obviously three strong candidates. But uh, you know, for someone who's maybe just listening and hasn't met you before, tell me a little bit about yourself. Let's let's uh, bring you to the table and. Tell me about your education, your training, employment history, a little bit of your your journey or or growing up in the industry, as you put it, pre-show.
1: Sure. No problem. So, like I said, Chris Moses, that's my name. And uh, basically, I started my career back in, what was it, uh, 2010? Wow. Think about it. You're like, wow, it was a long time ago, right? (laughs) So, uh, 2010, I, I started my career. Funny enough, for everyone that doesn't know me, I was a correction officer before this, right? Nice. Thank so you, I worked thank you in for a your hospital. Service. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, that's so I worked a tough in a job. hospital, right? And um I was in physical therapy and I took all the civil service exams and I ended up corrections for New York City, Rikers Island, called me and I'm like, All right, let's try this out. Let me tell you now, <laughs> there's no difference from being in jail to working in jail. It is not a good <laughs> place to be. <laughs> it's not a fun that's place to be. So uh... You know, after a good time, I spent maybe like four years there and I was like, this is not for me. Like, this is not for me. And I was like, well, I need to go back to what my love was, which was healthcare, which I was before I was a physical therapy um, assistant before this. So I'm like, yeah. that would be uh, that would be perfect to go back in there. So I actually went back to my same hospital got my job back during actually that transition of going from corrections back into the hospital. I went to school and I found a school called neurodiagnostics and I started doing their training program for EEG. And I literally fell in love, Mm -hmm. literally fell in love with it. And um, from then on, I just kept going. Um, I kind of was still in the process of still working in corrections, Um, and then still working in healthcare. Then I went into healthcare and started working in physical therapy. And then I was working in EEG part-time, you know, I really didn't take it all on yet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, over time I was like, you know what, I need to get into it and dive into it. So I I went in, I ended up working at Winthrop full-time, worked there for about a year or two. Then I went and was like, I need to tackle this registration. Um, and let's get this going. So then I ended up getting my, uh, registration in uh, EEG, which was like, The most amazing thing to me. I was so excited Mm. (laughs) to get that. So when did you get that? When was that? That was what was that? Two thousand and is that eighteen? Is eighteen, nineteen, twenty? I just renewed last year. Yeah, I think it's two thousand eighteen, two thousand seventeen. Okay, I just renewed my five years last year.
0: And I'm glad that you just told me that you entered in two thousand ten, and you got your registry in eighteen. I'm glad you told me that because I always thought that five-year window of not being registered if you're taking Pathway 4, that always felt like it was too long to me. I think people wind up just coasting and figuring nothing's going to change by gaining my registry. I'm where Mm -hmm. I am, and they just cruise on in that rut for, I see people with 27 years and haven't pursued the registry. And I
1: think part of it is because it takes five years if you're OJT. So I think... One. So two things here. First, I think me, I was a little bit different. I still was kind of transitioning between both kind of going back and forth, doing EEG kind of on the side here and not really dedicating like a full time job. I still worked in the hospital and PTS full time Mm -hmm. and kind of did EEG on the side. So mine is a little bit different. But then looking at other people within the field, um, that wait so long, I really think, and, and I I don't know how to say this without I guess offending the rest of the hospital system, is that there's no push there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no push. There's no how do I say this? There are, our leaders in a hospital aren't EEG technicians, yeah. right? Yeah. So if your leader in fact, is some of the nurse, leaders
0: in the department are not EEG are not yeah. technicians, Or not EEG
1: technicians. The actual person you report to is a respiratory therapist yes. or is a nurse or is a radiology expert or whatever you want to call them. So why would they ever push you to get your registration? Why would they ever do that? And that is what the problem is, why it is so important for people like us to get into leadership positions, Mm -hmm. because then it's the push is there. Mm -hmm. And that now leads me into to keep going. So as I got my registration, the next step was to start getting my degrees. I didn't have any degrees, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people now people will know. I didn't have any degrees and I used asset college for credentials to get all of my degrees which is something that I pushed so hard when I was a um in a trustee so um, I've been where, around,
0: I've been around a long time and I don't want to derail you but um what is college for credits asset provided i that means that go, means see? it's right over my head i don't get it
1: so so this this right here is and, I, and and no, you know, I, I'm not trying to offend you, but this sure. is a problem that our members don't know this. They need to know this. I, I was in a program called College for Credentials, which Marine okay. put together. Which basically is when you get your registration, you go to. If you look on my resume, I have college, um, McKellar College, and then I went to Siena Heights. Mm-hmm. Those are colleges that participate in this program. I got 30 credits or 40 credits towards my associates, oh, that's and associates. Awesome associates is sixty credits. Yeah,
0: we're right? halfway there. So yeah. I
1: got thirty to forty credits by for having my registration. I did twenty or something, twenty or so credits online, and I got my associate.
0: Yeah, right. So, so you, so you figured was- it out. But how do our listeners find this?
1: This is on the website. Okay. You literally go on the website. It's up there. When we revamped it, I had them put it on the top. Where when they go to about, where it says more, mm-hmm. you go in there and then you look college for credentials or list participating to the bar.
0: universities or schools. Yep,
1: or go to the search bar and type in college for credentials, and it comes right up. Nice. And this is all those all those uh, colleges. They. Uh, participate in this program where they give you these credits. Nice. So between that, then the next step was my bachelor's. And because I had my associates, the 60 credits, plus my registration, plus that, I was, you know, it was, it was, I don't want to say it was a breeze, but it was pretty easy with first step of having your registration, mm-hmm. right? So again, who knows about this, but us, an EEG technician. So if there, if you don't have that leadership that is, at trade, EEG technologist, it's hard to find these things out. All of my staff members of all 15 hospitals that I work with all know about this program. And I have, awesome. out of, let's say, give a percentage of them, maybe 60% of them are actually in it right now because this is something I'm gonna push.
0: Let's do this. T- tell me about your role. F- oh, I saw that uh, over uh, 14, 15 hospitals. What is your role? How many techs are you responsible for? How many departments? How many labs? How many uh, protocol, uh, sorry, modalities might your team cover? Um, tell us a bit, little bit and, and how that will get you ready for leading asset.
1: So, um, yeah, it's a, around 15, 16 um, different facilities. They're ambulatory. They're hospitals. And what I'll do with them is I do competency. Um, I do overall just being there for the technologists as well as the administration my job is that go-between again like we said earlier the leadership are nurses the leadership are respiratory therapists or you know radiologists then you have an eeg technologist who knows what they need because no one knows our job i'm that in between to say hey The technologist needs this. Mm -hmm. You think they can get this study done and start this study, then walk away and go to the next study? No, that's not. They need to sit down and they're looking at this. We are the eyes and ears of the doctor. How are we going to do that if you want them to go do another test or go do anything like that? So that is my job to be that go-between and kind of help them out. And in the same breath, because not all of us are great technologists, right? I'm there for administration to say, that machine has a video. Why are we not putting that on during the study? Mm-hmm. What what? Why did the technologists decide that we're going to not have video for the routine? We should. Mm-hmm. If we have it, let's use it, right? So that's kind of what my job there is, and I'm always there where anything that touches or says the word EEG Chris Moses is involved. Full Chris, and then I'll know from quotes to building the EMUs. I've already built 3 EMUs within our system. Nice. And then also getting our labs accredited. I just got Lij and, um, and North Shore accredited. Okay. Um, and nice. this is all on me doing these competencies, and I made up what they call the EEG cheat sheet for all the for all the text to follow and say this is the way ACNS guidelines want us to do our tests. So mm-hmm. let's do it this way. Yeah. And if you want to become accredited, you want these things. So I just simplified it. Right. Mm-hmm. I simplified it, and I literally outlined it as I, as if I was. I wanted it to make it where a uh, technologists can look at my EEG cheat sheet and follow it step by step. Yeah. First thing on the top, in parentheses, in the header, it says impedance should be below ten ohms, right? Mm-hmm. If not, document why. This stuff. So all those things, literally, step by step. Next, check the camera. Check this. Start, you know, step by step is what I did. And I mean, it, it's not super long, mm-hmm. but it's you know, it's long enough where yeah. it goes in to say, hey. Next step, you're going to change to, you know, uh, bipolar montage. Yeah, During really. this bipolar montage, yeah. do this. During transverse, chance to transverse montage, do photic. You know, it literally a step-by-step step to help detect. And I always tell them, if you follow that, you should be fine. And it seems like a lot in the beginning, but if you start doing it, you'll have it, and you'll know what to do. Again, it's all about bringing the love back to EEG for a lot of people that are either new in the field or... People that are older in the field is bringing that love and making them enjoy what they're doing and how important it is. I remember the first time I saw a sleep spindle, I almost stood up and woke the patient up because I was so excited, like, "Oh my god, it's a sleep spindle! I finally saw one!" You know. Yeah. So I want them to have that kind of passion. Um, all of my um, staff to have that passion and it works. You know, some are, some are, but you know, yeah. Yeah. it works.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I like I like the approach. Um, and I'm sure there's a po- a policy in a manual that that is supporting. So probably both exist. Lij North Shore. Of course, you're going to have policies and procedures in in a book somewhere. That uh, that, yep. that 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 is
1: the Cliff Note too, right? Yes. Pretty much, yeah. I always tell my staff members is there's always a conversation about hey, can I get more money and can I get paid more? Mm-hmm. what are your studies look like? Why would I pay you more when? look at what this study, right? The doctor wrote unobtainable on three of your studies. Wow. Why would I pay yeah. you more for that? Right? Yeah. So this is what I was telling them. you. You got to love what you do and show them instead of just saying, I want more money, show them why, okay. right? We're doing competencies. We're doing audits. We're showing them. This is the reason why we are like any other department out there. Yeah. So we need a step. Do we you have need any texts that don't measure? Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what you have. Text will always not measure, but that is the most important. How do you know? I went to a facility to help out once, and I had techs not measuring and also doing the study together. One does half the head, another one does the other half. Oh, my Lord. I was like, <laughs> how is this possible? So, first of all, you're eyeballing this, yeah. and now you expect your right eyeball to be as good as his left eyeball? Are you <laughs> kidding me? like what is going on here like it takes two seconds when you know how to measure correctly it takes two seconds and that Mm -hmm. now leads you into schooling and stuff because Mm -hmm. that's the problem when you take someone that you know this person learned and then this person showed them and they said hey not to you know uh, demean a a janitor but we say hey janitor come in one eeg yeah just put this on here and put this put this put this yeah that's what they're going to teach the next person. So no one ever taught them how to measure and what to do. And once you learn how to measure, you know how to do it. It takes two seconds. It doesn't, everyone thinks it takes a long time, but once Mm -hmm. you know how to do it, you're good to go. But it takes repetition doing it over and over. Get that glass head, get that head with the hair and keep doing it at home until you learn it. And once you got it, you got it. But no, seriously, you can see immediately pretty much when someone didn't measure, you can see you know, you can see that equal potential where all of a sudden it's like between C3 and P3, that's almost flat compared to everything else. It's like, wait, what was going on here? You can see. Um, I always show my text. I'm like, you can clearly see that you did measure because at O one and O two, 2 I don't see anything, but that PDR is pumping heavy out of P3 and C3. Well, why? Because your measurement is off. That's why. Mm-hmm. These are way too high or too low, you know? So you can tell those things immediately. But again, we don't have the leadership in these positions to say, hey, this is wrong. A physician doesn't want to deal with that. A physician may just say, you know what? They're not having a seizure. I'm good. No matter where you put the leads, I can see if you're having a seizure, right? I may not be able to tell where because you don't put it wherever, but I can tell you having a seizure and you know what, whatever. And some of the physicians like they know that the EEGs are bad there and they're just like, well, I just want to make sure they're not in status. Well, let's keep going. And that's a problem.
0: So, hey, Chris, let's uh, let's move on to licensure and um, why it's
1: important for our membership. Yeah, I, I think licensure is very important, right? Like we were just talking about, to make sure that we have that quality, that standard that's there. And that's what you get when you have that license, that registered uh, tech that is doing those studies. Now, like you said, the shortage is there, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm short, so I need to take this PCA and teach them how to EEG, mm-hmm. be, to be EG because I don't have anybody. But one thing that I always, you know, thought about was insurance-wise. If we can reimburse these hospitals at a higher rate, if they have registered techs, they will do it. But again, again, this is unfortunately as much as me, you, and probably everyone listening. We do love patients. The the honest God is. Hospitals are made for money. They want money. So if I can figure out a way to give best patient care and get you your money, guess what? I did, I, I hit the model, right? So if we can figure out a way, which this is what I would want, um, if I was to become president, um, president-elect, I would want to work on this with the board and more the members for ideas. What do they think? How can we get a hold of these insurance companies and let them know, hey, this is our modality. This is what we do. This is a Better care. This is better quality from these type. Can, is there a way to give a higher reimbursement? If there's one tech, two techs, three techs, you know, at this facility, and if we can work on something like that, I think then it would be a no-brainer. Hospitals would definitely say, "Yeah, if I can get more money for this EEG, if I can bump this from five hundred to seven hundred for having this person here, mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking for."
0: Yeah, but unfortunately, right? lately the cuts go the other way. The insurance industry follows Medicare, Medicare Medicaid pricing. And I know we yep. have some um, advocates that have been working on that. I follow a lot of the uh, publications from, because um, I'm, not, I'm not a billing expert by any means, but I'm aware of the changes. And when I looked at the schedules, the old 9595, whatever uh, numbers have gone away and they went to the, uh, the billing has changed dramatically. And there were, AAN was the ones leading and fighting that fight on that pricing and unfortunately that pricing has gone the wrong way it's it's gone it's gone the wrong way how how do we change that
1: this is where it gets difficult and i'll say this stepping on eggshells this is when we need to involve our physicians right we need dedicated physicians for this i don't think this is something even as huge as asset can tackle by themselves right mm-hmm. we need physicians on our side with this we need because they're the ones that are seeing these these exams They're the ones that seeing that and they have a lot of pull. And that's when we need to kind of get them involved and say, you know, get those certain physicians like where I am. We have Dr. Fred Lotto. We have Dr. uh, Derek Chong. These are people that know EEG in and out, and they would be love to be an advocate to help out for things like this. And that's what we would need. A pool of these people uh, to kind of work with us and say, hey, this is important Mm -hmm. and this is why it's important from a physician standpoint, right. right? From a physician standpoint, this is why. And yeah. that, I think, will start changing. Things. But, but when, when rates change, the
0: professional component changes and the technical component follows. So so yeah. they're fighting that fight. I mean, that's what AAN does. It's, it's the representation, the advocacy. They have the same, uh, like, we, we have advocacy, advocacy on staff at Asset. They have yeah. it, too. They're fighting the fight, and then the fees are going the wrong direction. How do we stop the bleeding?
1: It's hard. (laughs) Again, I think it's a lot of a lot of not using that word advocacy. I think also adds into it too. Physicians uh, working with us, the technologists, as well as the schools. The more people we bring into our profession, Mm -hmm. the more eyes we we get on us, the more that they'll say, okay, we have to change these things. And guess what? Those are going in the wrong direction. They need to go this way. But if we are just on the job training people and doing things like that it's not going to work if we're not registered. So for me it starts with us. Like 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 I said, my main thing is making sure all my staff are registered or at least um are ready and are are going towards it. Mm-hmm. These are the things we got to do because once they see that we get more of that which creates advocacy in itself. Yeah, sure. Then we can move on. Yeah. Then we can go to the next steps and then we have more eyes on us that we can start tackling these bigger things. Yeah. But I think it really kind of starts there of us coming together, getting the physicians on our side to know that. And then us as techs in this society, just pushing this registration, pushing advocacy. Like, I don't know if we're going to get into that later, but that's one thing that is, is huge. We should be at these high schools. We should be at these. We should start at the middle schools. Like yeah. in my in, in my town, I live in Uniondale, Hempstead area. There's not one kid that probably doesn't know about EEG. I'm mm-hmm. up there all the time. I have a little Natus machine and I'll bring it up there and I'm hooking people up to mm-hmm. show them because It's amazing once seen, and now I've opened up something to a community that doesn't see this. I'll be honest, you know, in my community, you know, know, a black African-American community, we don't see many things like EEG, right? I -hmm. didn't know nothing about EEG when I grew up. I didn't even know it was a thing. If I didn't have a seizure, how would I ever know that? No no one in my family did, so I knew nothing about it. But my, my goal in my community was to start bringing it out and start showing people, right? Yeah. Showing them say this is a this is a career. It's a lucrative yeah. career. Yeah. It's a rewarding career and bring it bringing it's good timing. to time in different school.
0: It's good timing Chris you know? because there's so many overeducated underemployed kids
1: just saying. That's right. And, and in the beginning we were always told that thought process was wrong, right? Mm-hmm. No, you got to go to college. Yeah. You got look at me. Yeah. Yeah. I went to college. I just got those degrees. Like I literally finished like last year. Yeah. I'm 40 years old, and I finished two years ago. But I've always made, you know, a-, a good amount of money to sustain my my family. And I didn't have those degrees. I was in a trade, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I-, I think that, like you said, I'm sorry. Um, college is not for everyone, and. You know, I feel like we were always told you can't say things like that. And that's the truth. Yeah. There really isn't. And yeah. that's why we need to show them these different trades to say, hey, you can maybe do this. Hey, you can maybe do this. And that's why I wanted to start with the middle school. And then I, as they're going up, they see me again in the yeah. high school. Yeah. Um, these are things that you can do. Look at this. Look at this, what I do. This is neurodiagnostics, right? And it's not just EEG. There's EP, there's IONM, there's this, there's that. There's so many things that you can do within this one thing. And you probably never even heard of it,
0: yeah, right? Yeah. So that's what- So it's just awareness. Your You're talking about I awareness. Like just creating yeah, awareness, awareness, awareness for
1: something that people may not be aware of. Going to a conference, which I hope everyone that is listening now will be in Orlando, like that will change, almost change your whole life looking at EEG. You're in EEG, you've never been to a conference, come to a conference. And I guarantee when you go out of that place, you will be hair standing on your arms like, wow, this is what I'm in. And that's what it did for me the first time I was in there, right? I'm in New York. So there's not a lot of advocacy. There's not a lot of awareness. So to go to my first conference, I was like in awe. Where was your first conference? So when I say I'm in EEG tech, they're like, Oh, me too. You know, you never hear that. Yeah, you never
0: hear that. Unless they work in your department.
1: (laughs) That's right. So it was amazing to be around people that understand what I go through and understand what's going on. So if everyone listening, I would say it is worth the money, even if you go on Asset you go into asset, type in the search justification. There's a whole thing on how to justify to your job why you need to go. Oh, literally written for you. Yeah. All you have to do is copy and paste. Yeah. Copy and paste, put it in there, put your stuff and send it to whatever administrator, and it literally will outline why it's so important for you to go. Yeah. Um, those are things that asset are doing to to try to get, you know, people to come out to see our field, right? So Definitely use that to get out there. And even if not, there's always the little smaller um, conferences that happen during the spring, during the winter. Yeah. You can go to some of those. But just going to those is it—it it, it literally will change how you feel about your own career, yeah. right? Did it'll, you see the commercials?
0: Did you see the commercials that we shot for Asset for the 60-year anniversary? Yes, there's those guys made some good statements about the value of of just really it was about the conference. Um, But asset is just it does so much for so many people. Um, That's why another reason I wanted to do this topic. One of the main reasons I wanted to do this topic is I want good leadership that is going to best best serve this society and the and the membership um, because of my loyalty and passion for it.
1: So that's why that's why I wanted this topic. And that and that's why you know I know when people may look you may look at the different resumes and see the experience and everything that everyone else has compared to me I won't lie like I don't have the experience from that that the other two candidates got um, they got a lot yeah. <laughs> they're there, yeah. they're intimidating me sometimes right oh, yeah. and I'm looking um, but it but one thing that I want to say is that I learned from everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And I've learned from Magdalena. Like I'm on the uh, membership committee with her. Um, yeah. She's the committee chair. And I've learned so much with her. I was on the board with her. So I learned so much. And um, that's one thing that I would like to say that is, you know, one thing that's one of my strengths is that I learn from everyone. And I'm a person that, Everyone has a voice, right? Mm-hmm. My career as EEG from corrections—I don't think we even talked about that. I'm a volunteer firefighter in my community. Um,
0: That's awesome! Don't I don't learned, don't let that fly under the radar, that because I
1: appreciate that
0: kind of service and
2: uh,
1: yes, military, yes. So law enforcement, any years. first
0: responders. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, fifteen years I've done that, but what I. Gain most out of that is the leadership component besides the asset leadership academy which was great a lot of my leadership skills came from the fire department mm-hmm. how do you how do you command a bunch of people to do what you need them to do and they're volunteering
2: yeah
1: <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. At, at my job it's easy hey you get paid you got to listen to me or you you know you won't get a paycheck but in a volunteer organization, how do you get people to do what they're supposed to do? And that's where I learned a lot of my leadership skills from, from the fire department, trying wow. to wrestle a bunch, 30 members and tell them, you need to do this mm-hmm. and you got to do it. This is the reasons why. So that's where I learned that leadership. And that's where I kind of um, kind of hone my leadership skills um, from from there. So that's one of my strengths that I'm able to to, to, to take that and, and and able to show people the way. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I've always learned. Don't just tell them the way, show them the way. Sure. And I hope people see it or hear it, in this case, yeah. through my passion, like yeah. what I want. I want people to, when they leave a room with me, first of all, when you leave a room with me, you're going to hear EEG at least. 20 times, right? So if you didn't know, you're going to ask me what it is. And that's my whole point, because now you just learned something that you didn't know about. But that is my whole thing is with me. It's all about leadership. It's all about listening because every voice counts, right? Every voice counts and listening to our members. That's what I feel we need to do more as an organization is reach out to our members and find out more. We have all these members, 6,000, 7,000 members with all different backgrounds. None of y'all knew right now that I was a correction officer, right? I'm pretty sure there's something in there that might be able to help you or help someone else with something because I have that skill set, right? So just like you, you're doing this with the recording. These are different skill sets that are in our membership where we can get ideas from. And that's what we need to do. We need to kind of start putting ourselves out there and getting more from, from our membership and asking them more instead of just. Our 13-member board, or asking them, let's let's start getting in their membership and start getting those polls out there, and and getting creative ways to get a poll. Because when you send me an email with a poll, I'm probably not going to read it. Mm-hmm. But if it's creative enough to make me look at it, then I'll look at it. Right? If we're getting a push from Instagram that's got some type of you know something going on to make me actually look, that's what we need, and that's what I want to work on. I want to work on the main thing, like I had said in my other video is not so much membership is great. Pulling people in is great. We, mm-hmm. we know kind of how to do that. It's more of retaining our members. Mm-hmm. Our members leave, right? They'll come in for school when they're in school, they'll come in because the job said that. And once they got my pay, they're like, well, why am I paying for this? And we're the first thing that they're cutting. Yeah. Huh? Well, and I want us to figure out a way why it's why asset is so important. And, not figure out a way because we know, I want them to know that.
0: Yeah. Well, we, you and I both talked about how valuable it is to us and how it's built yeah. loyalty and and how we want to contribute as much as we can, but as long as I can.
1: Um, how do we build that passion in others? So again, awareness, number one. Number two is that passion and reaching out. If we don't reach out to our members, if we don't make sure we're like, we have to be on top of it, videos, podcasts like this, this needs to be a partnership, some type of uh, something where we work with, with other podcasts and you and other people that are doing this to get that out there, right? To Mm -hmm. let us know that we're here. And that's what it's more about, reaching out, using Facebook, using all of these. We have so many tools, right? We got social media. Let's mm-hmm. use it. Let's make notification push and all of these different things to get people to know, asset, we're here. This is what we do. This is why we are important. You can't have passion without exposure.
0: How, if people, people can't have our passion unless they've been to that. How, when we talked about getting them to the conference awareness, How do we get them involved? How do we get people on committees? How do we get people to participate from the membership side? I mean, we can hire great staff. We have great staff. Yeah. Okay. How do we get people more engaged in the society on the membership side? I mean, I know we have a lot involved, but how do we get more? How do we grow the passion?
1: So it's funny that you said it because I had two registered techs that just got registered, right? And the first thing they did was reach out to me and say, Chris, how can I volunteer, right? Mm -hmm. So... There's twofold here. So as much as we want to make sure people are registered in New York alone, I'm not sure about everywhere else. Um, but well, I mean, I am sure about everywhere else, but mostly New York, a lot of re- we don't have a lot of registered techs. Right. So we have a lot of techs that, you know, they aren't registered and aren't looking to get registered for whatever reasons. Right. But that also. I don't want to say embarrasses, but it makes them feel like I can't be a part of that asset. Right. They're a member because their job pays for it, yeah. but they don't want to be involved because they're like, well, everyone here is registered and I'm not. Right. Yeah. So it's twofold. Right. We want you to be registered, but you're also a member and you're not registered. But come literally the two people that reached out to me said they didn't because they wanted to wait till lunch. So they was registered mm. because the passion that they see of mm-hmm. how I am. They're like, I'm not going to Krista to join anything. And I'm not even a registered tech, but that, you know, I guess is something that we have to work on and same reach out to these members. And yes, we know you're not registered, but we can help you get registered here. Yeah. But while you're hoping if you're on this committee, you're going to learn more. You're going to want to be registered. Once you sit on a committee with five registered techs and you are in a conversation like this, you're going to be like, "I got to do this." Yeah, right? I'm going to promise so you this is, this is this is
0: going to make the cut because the listeners listening right now, they need to hear it. What you're saying, it's not a, it's, yeah, it's... not your registry does not exclude you from participation in asset. If you're an asset it's member, exactly we is, want though. your support. We want your help.
1: But they get scared. I, and I understand that. I understand that. You know, you get nervous because you're like, I'm around a bunch of people that are registered. And maybe they won't think I'm taking it, it serious. I get it. I never thought yeah, about it, but I get it when I'm you say it. it. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to make sure that we know to all those members, you know, win or lose, if I'm there or not. Like this is something we need to work on. And the people that, you know, the other candidates, I'm pretty sure they would love to work on things just like this too. So we, you know, we just got to let them know as members. Hey, start reaching out to those members that aren't members, not aren't registered, and let them know you can still join. You don't have to. And yes, you're a member, but you can still join committees. You can still come. You can still do. We still need the help. And I promise you, if you have someone that wants to join a committee, the next step is going to be registration if they weren't thinking about it. Because now we're bringing them in. And now they're going to want to do it because they're going to want to take that next step. Because working as a servant already... Once you get into that realm, you're already, We already know where you're going. Yeah. If you already want to help and serve, we already know. So if we start pulling the people that want to do that, the next step is just almost cultivating and curating them to say, hey, this is your next step. Yeah. You want to do this now. You want to do this now. And then again, it's a big circle. Now we got more registered texts. Now we got better quality. Yeah. Now we got this. It's literally a circle, but it does take time. And I think, you know, with, you know, everyone's heads together, proper leadership. We can, we can kind of get that done. Yeah. Yeah. We can. So
0: why don't you tell our listeners why uh, you feel that you're a, uh, you're obviously a well-qualified person. You're uh, uh, I think one of three great candidates. Um, Just a closing statement. What really separates you at this time in your life and positions you
1: to be the best choice? So um, that's a, it's a hard question because the choices are so amazing. (laughs) Right. So um, but I think that what I I would rather go with what my strengths are and what my strength would be is I want to I want to push towards awareness. I want to push towards advocacy and I want to push towards every voice matters like Mm -hmm. and that when I say that, I mean, we need to reach out to our members like that is what my biggest push is. Right. I want to reach out to a member. I want something like at the conference there'd be a section during our board meetings. If we have members there to come sit in, I would have loved that when I was, before I was a board member to sit in a board meeting and watch what goes on. You know what that creates? That creates a future board member. Yeah. These are the things that we need to do that we just got to think outside the box. So, though I don't have the most experience, the good thing is I have a lot of experience in life and different careers. So I'm taking all of that in and that's what I want to pour into this society yeah. is all those different things that I've learned to bring in here to kind of boost us and bring us back to the top mm-hmm. and also have fun that's the main thing too. We got to figure out more ways to have fun. As much as our, our career is serious, we got to have some fun and, and, and have a good time and, and make sure everyone understands that, you know, it's not all about being serious. It's also having a good time. So yeah. those are things I want to worry about that advocacy, that awareness um, and just thinking outside of the box yeah. and figuring out ways, talking to our members, involving the members. Like that is the key thing involve them. They have so much knowledge, can't tell me seven thousand people don't have knowledge, yeah, right? Yeah. You, you got to reach out to them, and that's what we need to do. Figure out those creative ways to reach out, reach out, and, get and, and, get and hold support. each other
0: up. You know, there's so much support in this there organization. Go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, yep. Well, Chris, so, let's uh, let's wrap it up. I want to thank you for joining us, um, and I want to thank the listeners thank to um, for listening in. And um, it's a, it's tough choices. Three great candidates, like you said, um, but I'm glad you came yeah. and told your story. I enjoyed our time together. And I uh, wish you luck
1: yes. in the election. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Everybody, like I said, see you in Orlando. Thank you
0: for tuning in. I'm Jason Meyer for The Neuropod, the podcast for neurodiagnostic professionals.